Welcome to a fresh new podcast, Young, Brown and Not Entirely Free. Presented by your co-hosts, Zam and Ruhi. Two women who are down for having candid conversations about the challenges collectively faced by brown females. Their mission is to build a community of people who want to live an authentic and ambitious life in the face of cultural norms that can often hold brown women back. Originating from India and Nepal, they believe it's possible to embrace their cultural heritage without being bound up by it. Join them every week as they discuss everything from PR to periods and parents to papards. Nothing is off limits. If you're a young brown woman who doesn't yet feel free to fully be yourself, Zam and Ruhi have got your back. Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast. We're so excited to be here with you for season two. I'm Ruhi and I'm here with my co-host Zam. Hey guys, welcome back. So glad to have you. (laughs) And be here. (laughs) Uh, So... Before we launch into our topic, I think we need to do a bit of a check-in to talk a little bit about how we're feeling at the start of 2020. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's definitely been a different start than I had anticipated. How about you? Yeah, I've been working on this really massive project and I finished it, which is an awesome accomplishment for me. I've been working on my book and it's taken up so much of my time and I finally finished the manuscript, but I think I'm going through a period of the blues after finishing a big project. Yeah. You put so much time and energy into it. And for me, it's a great start to the year in that I finally finished this thing that I've been working on forever. But at the same time, I'm like, oh gosh, like, I don't know. It's like coming down from it is harder than I thought it would be. I thought I'd be feeling really elated, which I did for the first few days. And now I'm just, yeah, feeling a bit weird, to be honest. I think that's very normal, everything that you're describing, because I think you, you'll you need some time to process the entire journey, need some time to process the closure, need some time to process the waiting, and also how you're going to get back to transitioning into life before the project or, you know, before it became really overwhelming for you and you spent a lot of your time just doing it. Yeah. It's not a case of, oh, what do I do with myself now? Because I've got a lot to do because I'm a mum and, like, the time that I'm not writing, I've been enjoying doing some music and painting, which Mm -hmm. has been lovely. But at the same time, it's this agonising period of waiting to hear back from the publishers. And also I was just such a hermit for two or three months, like I just completely hibernated. I had no social life and that was of my own choosing. And to be honest, because I'm a major introvert, I just prefer not to have a social life and I don't really like going out that much unless it's like a one-on-one catch-up with a close friend or something. So I had like no social life and now I'm getting back to all my friends and saying, hey, I'm available to catch up again. And it's almost like figuring out where I fit into all of these relationships that have been on hold for so long. Yeah, I think it's a period of transition. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, scary and it's exciting at the same time and we can talk a bit more about it now if you like. Well, I want to ask how you're feeling in a bit more depth. Oh, thank you. At the start of 2020. The start of 2020, I spent January actually working too hard. Yeah. To an unhealthy level. 
I got sick and I felt really unwell with how much I was overworking and overworking meant that I wasn't self-caring very well. That was January, the entire January for me and uh, it was actually really difficult to confront because that was the start of the year. Mm. But it was really important because it helped me realise that that's not what I want the rest of my year to look like. Yeah. So transitioning, transitioning into February, it was actually enlightening and February has been about, for me, having better routine, mm. so self-care, better sleep, better health, focusing on all the priorities that I'm trying to be intentional about this year, and also preparing, preparing for my next big project, which kicks off at the end of February, yeah. and that's going to involve me going overseas. So it's been a busy two months, but have learnt an enormous amount. Yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like we ended 2019 having learned some really important lessons in self-care you came back from your trip to New Zealand and for those of you who don't know which is all of you (laughs) Zam went on a wellness retreat in New Zealand and just Mm -hmm. came back so full of new wisdom for how she wants to manage her life and I had a similar experience when I went to Bali shortly after you came back from New Zealand and I just had such a Zen time and I came back and I said to my husband, I'm a new person, like nothing can rock me now. I'm just so peaceful and, you know. Oh my gosh, that is so funny because I also had the same thought. Yeah, Yeah. and then two weeks later you're like, ah. So you talk about how that looked for you. Tell Tell us what happened in New Zealand and what kind of resolve you came back with and then, you know, what changed? Because we, we were both like, oh, I'm going to care for myself so much better. Yeah. And then two weeks later, it's all out the window. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, going back to New Zealand. So the whole idea was to be better at self-care, to connect my mind, body and spirit. Yeah. Which is something I'm, I'm deeply passionate about. So I went to a wellness retreat in the middle of the mountains in New Zealand wow. for six days by myself. <laughs> Because um, I love spending time by myself. And I know yeah. that might sound really strange to some people, but I've just grown up spending a lot of time with myself and being really comfortable with it. I love that. Thank you. So I went by myself and um, I stayed in this place where I just felt so, as soon as I got there, I was like, wow, there's something in the air. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. It was essentially like a yoga and mindfulness meditation retreat. So we did yoga morning and evening. Yeah every single day and throughout the day I would do some activities that I loved doing. So one day hiking, one day going to the thermal hot springs, one day I went cycling through the forest and some of the other days I took some me time and I journaled and I read and I sunbaked and I used the spa in my villa that I stayed in by myself. So cool. I had prefaced this as this is my 30th birthday celebration. Mm. But coming out of it, I felt like... I was able to be more mindful. Yeah. I was able to focus on things and defocus on things better. Is defocus a word? I don't know. Maybe unfocus. Unfocus. I don't know. Maybe that's not a word either. (laughs) Maybe we should Google this. (laughs) We'll get back to you guys. I guess (laughs) focusing in and shifting focus from things a lot easier. Yeah. I felt like... My body was stronger from the yoga and I actually craved yoga after not doing it for a day. My body missed it. Unfocus. Sorry. Okay, it's unfocused. (laughs) I just looked it up. Thank you. (laughs) I also felt like 
I was nourishing my body yeah. with really good food because they cook delicious vegan meals for us every day. Yeah. So nourishing my body with good food, strengthening my body with yoga, relaxing my body with all the activities I loved doing and that made me feel like me yeah. and spending time with some incredible people who are so good at self-care yeah. to the point that they're, they've been healed by it themselves and they want to teach others to be able to do that for themselves. And it wasn't like a preachy, preachy thing. It was just more like, this is my journey. This is how I've learned how to self-care and be connected to the world around me yeah. and myself. Yeah. And I want to share it with you yeah. so that you can now do that for yourself. Yeah. We spent a lot of time meditating together and speaking deeply about all of these topics, you know, and how important it has been for healing. And that's what I came there for. I came there for healing. Yeah. And I walked away healed but the the challenge was to bring it back home what what did you go to be healed from just the pace of life that you were going at or probably that yeah as well as being healed from I guess you know a part of me feeling broken like in daily life and routine yeah you know you have your days where you feel so broken but you don't have the space or, or the time to really heal. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like picking at a wound constantly yeah. when you just continue with your fast-paced life and you're not taking the time just to sit and heal. Yeah, and it's like popping a Band-Aid on it only for it to, like, bleed again. So yeah. um, it was like how do I bring healing in a tangible way, in a practical way back to my life? Mm. And that was one of the benefits of this retreat was coming back in the first two weeks and adopting yoga into the daily routines of my life. Yeah, just something to slow down. Yes. And you don't have to go overseas for it. It's just more about taking time to yourself. Yes. And having the space to breathe. Or learning something new and realising what you were doing before wasn't working. Yeah. A practical example for those of you who are wondering how does this change your routine. Every night before I used to go to sleep, I had a sleep hygiene routine and I had a yoga nidra or like a a meditation yoga to wind down because I'm really bad at winding down to sleep. You are. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. And in the morning I would wake up and I would do the five Tibetan rites which is like a form of yoga Mm. on my pergola in the morning. And that would just get me ready for the day. Mm. Even those two small things had been really instrumental in refocusing my mind. Yeah. Every day, every night. Yeah. Yeah. What Did you do something similar? When I went to Bali. Bali. Oh, I was already practicing yoga, Mm. but nowhere near as much as I want to. Like, Mm. you know, two or three times a week, my dream would be me being able to do it every morning. Mm. But the problem is, you know, when I wake up and move around, I often wake my baby up as well. And then that goes out the window and, you know, one day we'll get there. Mm. So I actually booked this trip to go to Bali with my sister for my 30th birthday I think we booked it in November in 2019. By the time December came around, we were actually trying to cancel the trip because the bushfires were happening Mm. at that time and they were just absolutely ravaging through the East Coast. I just didn't feel right leaving the country to go have a holiday in Bali, even though we booked it in advance. 
And for me, that was the catalyst because I've suffered from depression in the past and it didn't really come back at any point, even though I struggled with my anxiety. That's been a constant. But I really feel like the bushfires triggered me falling into this depression again because it was just so upsetting. First of all, we've lost so many trees and plant life and then we've lost over a billion animals. I feel so connected to the environment and other living beings, other than humans. I spend a lot of time in nature and for me it was just devastating. But to make matters worse, our government's doing shit all about it. I worry for my daughter. What kind of world are we setting up the next generation to live in? Anyways, we contacted the company and they said you'd forfeit your refund. So then we're like, let's go anyway, whatever. So I was actually not happy about going, but it was nice because my sister's just lovely and she's just like, don't worry, it's going to be good. Like it's only five days and she could see that I really needed a break because I was breaking my balls on this manuscript and I needed the time away. So yeah, we went there and it was just beautiful. It was so nice. There was no agenda. We hiked a mountain on day two and I got to see the sunrise. That was challenging, but just so beautiful to be in a different type of terrain. We were in a hotel and it was in the jungle. There were actually seven monkeys on our balcony at one point. We were just immersed in nature. I was part of this jungle and that was extremely healing for me. It was just really beautiful to see humans coexisting so peacefully with nature. There's just monkeys everywhere. There's bees at breakfast time. Like there was a bee that came and flew into our jam at breakfast and we're swimming in it so happily. It was full of sugar, (laughs) you know, and just birds everywhere. And you can just always hear them all through the night, all through the day. Just being in nature was so healing. Like this place that was so green after constantly seeing pictures all over social media and the news of trees being burned. And obviously that's still an issue and I want to contribute as much as I can. I think that's what sort of made me feel so zen in that I'm like, I'm so small and I'm just a part of this. I'm part of this fabric. Times can be hard and times can be joyful, but that's just life. And I just felt very kind of free-flowing. I was like, yeah, whatever comes my way, whatever. And I did really well for like the first few weeks of coming back to Melbourne. Anytime something annoyed me, I was like, you know what, it's all right. Mm. And then eventually you get more and more sort of caught up in yourself, back to that kind of entitled mentality, Mm. like, this is not what it's supposed to be. And, And then getting upset over it. And it's okay. Like, it's important to feel those emotions, to feel sad and to feel angry. But... I think I became consumed by those feelings and at some point you have to sort of get over yourself and be like, yeah, I'm sad, yeah, I'm angry, but can I step away for a minute and look at the stars? You know, last night I was on the beach with my friend as I was telling you and we were just listening to the thunder and watching the lightning on the beach and it was just so nice. So I think for me to sustain that mindfulness and that peace of mind that I got to experience again in Bali, I think... For me, the key is to keep going out and being in nature because I know that's good for me. For me, that's self-care. So what changed for you when you came back to Melbourne? My mentality, my mentality focusing on trying to centre myself and, and refocus every chance I got. So if I was angry or upset or emotional, 
trying to release that through doing some yoga. Exercise is a big one for me. Like I really need exercise. And if I don't exercise for a day, my body craves it. So the yoga and and going to the gym is really important for me Yeah, because my body will let me know when I'm Mm. off center, you know, and it's just about listening to your body. And like you say, listening to your emotions if you're angry, you're angry and you, you say it, you say it out aloud. Well, it helps me anyway yeah. to name it, name the emotion Yeah. and then refocus away from it. So I've been trying to do that. But again, like you say, you get caught up with yourself and with your routine and everything else that's going around you and you can slip past the things that you learnt only to remind yourself and go out and spend a day in nature, for example. Yeah. Like for you, that would help. For me too, like it really helps just going for a hike. It really yeah. helps swimming. It really helps journaling. It really helps me to be actually in the mountains. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my retreat was in the mountains and I'm going to the mountains this year. And Something about the mountains. Something about I get the mountains. Yeah. You know, there's a quote that's like, the mountains are calling and I must go is like, <laughs> is, yeah. is my philosophy basically. Yeah. And you just don't know what, what it stirs in you, but you yeah. just have to go. You just have to go because you know what you're going to find what you're looking for there. Yeah. So those are the things that I've practically tried to reconnect with on being back, but you've got to work at it. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny how you have to work at looking after yourself, which is crazy because I think it's a problem in general. I mean, it's a problem for most people. I think it can be harder for women in general because we so often want to fix things and make everything better even when we don't need to be involved with family things, for example, even for me and for you. It's even the empathy, you know. You carry somebody else's pain when they're going through something. Even with the bushfires, like, I just felt like I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to enjoy myself while there was so much pain and misery. So it's hard as a woman. And then I think when you come from a similar background to us, where we're also brown women, often the rhetoric that you grow up with you you know there's a lot of talk about sacrifice and sacrificing Mm. your feelings for the greater good and that's massive and it's so hard to unlearn that in order to look after yourself it's actually okay for me to put myself first in this situation so that I can fill up my well again so that others can draw from it just so used to leading a depleted life emotionally depleted as a child because we're always sacrificing ourselves for the greater good to keep the rest of the family happy or peaceful. It's sort of labelled as selfish if you distance yourself from the problems that are going on in your family. It's almost too self-indulgent to enjoy yourself on your own terms and not sort of get enjoyment from what the rest of the family wants to do. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just hard to be an individual and like be like, this is what I need to heal and to have self-care and that's what I'm going to do. When did we ever do that as children? It's like, oh, we went to a movie as a family that our parents wanted to watch. That's enough. Go study now. Do you know what I mean? Your enjoyment has to be their enjoyment. Yeah, I do. But I only learned about self-care in the last couple of years before turning 30. So do you know <laughs> what I mean? It, it never was a concept to me yeah, until recently. Yeah. And also I think that applies, yes, in family settings for sure. Yeah. I agree with everything you're saying. Also in work settings, yeah. in a job where self-care is not completely prioritized for you, which seems ridiculous because if you are serving in any role that you work in, yeah. if you're serving others, 
you need to serve yourself. Yeah. Right? And I think there's not a lot of focus on that. I mean, I think our society is getting better at it. Yeah. But we've got a long way to go. Yeah. And so when you don't have those points of guidance growing up or in your workplaces or in your family, yeah. you're not going to know about self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say one last thing before we wrap up that I chatted with my friend about last night? She raised this idea that I just hadn't even thought of. So she's a mum of two kids, right? So when her husband gets home and takes over, she usually removes herself from the situation when she needs some me time Mm -hmm. and then she'll go do something that she enjoys doing. But then after a while, she started to realize she's like, sometimes I would go and then I'd come back and I still feel resentful. And it's like, well, what's that? And then she realized that actually that's fine for her to go and do that. But from time to time, she just wants someone to care for her Mm. and uh, for lack of a better term, parent her in a way where it's not that you remove yourself from the situation and you go off and do your own thing. You want someone to come up to you and be like, hey, just sit down. What do you want to eat? Let me get you some tea or coffee. You just want to be loved on in that way as a mum especially, because you're giving that out to your kids all day long. And you might be in a profession where you're, like, as you say, you're always serving people. It's great to have time off on your own to go and do whatever you want and not not have to give to anybody else in that time. It's just you and you're just being refreshed. We all need that. But, yeah, something I hadn't thought of was what she said, which is, well, sometimes you need a bit more than that. You actually want to be with someone but someone who's not going to take out of your well, but someone who's going to come and give to you and just care for you and love on you. (laughs) Yeah, I really like that. And I think that's, you know, so applicable, not just in a mother role, as you say, but in, in any sort of friendship or relationship. It's so important because... People have their own ways of how they feel loved, as we know. So, for example, if someone just came up to me when I was working and just asked me how I am, Mm. that would be enough of self-care for me to just be like, oh, thank you for asking how I am today and wanting to hear how I'm doing. That would be enough. Yeah. How about you? My love language is words and quality time and physical touch when it comes to my husband. I don't like other people touching me (laughs) unless it's you and we're hugging. Mm. (laughs) I love it when he gives me cuddles. He just comes up to me and says, what tea? What kind of tea do you want? Like, can I make you a drink? Can I get you dinner? Just those sorts of things. And I've been to foot massages where I've just cried. That's so random. <laughs> like, I've actually started almost, like, I've had to hold back the tears because I'm like, someone's rubbing my feet for me. But I thought you didn't like physical touch if it's not me or your husband. Or my sister. Or random foot masseurs. No, but that's different because I'm paying them and they're just sticking to my feet. Okay. No, massages are a bit different. Okay. It's when somebody like... Highly intimate though. (laughs) No, look, well, (laughs) it's different when you're paying someone to give you a massage as opposed to someone thinking that, oh, we're friends and Mm. we're at the point of friendship where I can touch you. Okay. Yeah, and it's like, no, we're not. (laughs) Today I've learnt that there's a distinction. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So if I pay you, it's... (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> That's why I've always been so weird when people massage me because oh. my love language is not physical touch. Right. Um, anyway, moving on, you were no, saying. No, can I just say, though, I think if you had to ask child Ruhi, if you had to ask young me, physical touch would be everything, right? But then over the years, it's because there was never any sort of physical, like I was basically physically abused all the time as a form of punishment, as a child Mm. and we didn't really hug or kiss in any sort of genuine way when I was growing up and so I think that's why I've become kind of desensitized to it and I have trust issues 
But if I'm paying someone to do it or it's someone that I'm really close with where it feels like a genuine hug or, Mm. you know. Sense of safety. Yeah, but, like, I just can't trust everyone and I just don't feel right. That's kind of, like, the last thing to go, you know what I mean? It's, like, coming into my physical space. Um, Oh, I completely understand. I completely understand the need for boundary there. Yeah, yeah, so I just don't feel like hugging everyone. Yeah, fair. Yeah. But I guess you're saying that the way in which, you know, you would like to approach self-care is yeah. um, if someone just spends some quality time with or you. Or someone caring for me. Someone caring for you. Yeah. That's really nice. That's good to know for me. Good. I think in the new year, mm. both of us can afford to be more forthcoming when we're asking someone to care for us. Yeah, I like that. I think we should make that a kind of resolution of sorts. Asking each other, you yeah. know, we can ask each other and just be like, you know what? I'm doing self-care, but it's not enough. I need someone to care for me. Can you take me out? Or can you come to my house and just sit here, make me tea and give me dinner? I really like that. And I'm going to channel that more this year. For me, it will definitely be, hey, dude, I need you to take care of me. And yeah. this is how I would I would really appreciate it, yeah. which would be knowing my love language is words and quality time. Yeah. I just want you to sit down and have a conversation with me. Yeah. Yeah. In person. Yeah. Yeah. And just being better at impromptu stuff. Like, yeah. you know what? Let's meet up halfway. Done. Yeah. And I also like eye contact. Yeah. Don't we all to an extent? No. Some people hate it. <laughs> I need it to feel like really loved and cared for. Yeah. I get that. I, you you can probably be a bit creepy sometimes though. No, I'm not creepy. Not to me because I'm used to your you, – you have really intense eye contact. I am just an intense person when it comes to wanting to have conversations and connect with people, right? Yeah. Because that's just how I thrive. Yeah. So it's like when I meet <laughs> I new people – When I meet new people, it's like so normal for me to just go up to them, make intense eye contact and like lean in and have a conversation, <laughs> right? And even sometimes touch their arm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's – Because yeah. I give physical touch I didn't receive it yeah okay um so that's normal for me and I can see how other people would just be like that's too intense yeah but you know what that's me mate yeah (laughs) if you want major eye contact we can be friends (laughs) I still respect their boundaries it's just like that's me I don't know if you respect the boundaries they have around their eyes Cause you just like look so deeply into no but like I love it like I'm all for it I'm I, I think I Maybe not as intense as you, but... No, definitely not. Yeah. No, but I appreciate it from you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It means I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, you're such a good listener. Thank you. And on that note, thank you all for listening. <laughs> if, in fact, you stuck with us through the whole episode. <laughs> and just know I was making eye contact with all of you. That's a lie. That's a lie. In, in your spirit, you were. In my spirit. Yeah. Run, run away. <laughs> run away, Simba, and never return. I watched The Lion King on the plane home from Bali, and it was so, oh, I cry. I was crying on the plane because, like, The Lion King was, like, my movie growing up. Mm. And there would be other kids coming to my house and going, can we borrow your cassette, your video cassette? My parents would be like, Ruhi. Go and get your Lion King video cassette for these kids. They want to borrow it. And I'm like, no. And so I'd come out and 
like tell lies and be like, oh, I've promised another friend that I'm letting them borrow it. Because you know what it's like in like South Asian circles, like you let someone borrow something, it never comes back, which is where my obsession with labeling came from. I labeled everything with my name on it. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. It all stems back to the Lion King. Mm. Mm. All right, people. Thanks for tuning in. We're so excited for season two and this time we're hoping to engage with our listeners a little bit more. So if you have any questions or any topics that you'd like us to talk about, please head to our Facebook page, Young, Brown and Not Entirely Free and post what's going on. And if you need support with anything, we'd love to be there for you. Cool. We will catch you next episode. See you next time. Bye.